Awesome. We're actually in the last week of a series today, and I'm excited about today's message. We're starting a new series next week called Fight. And there's just some things in life that are worth fighting for. And we live in a day and time where almost the word fight has become a negative thing. And so we've kind of just become passive, if you will, in certain things. And we just accept things the way they were or the way they are. And I just believe in life there's some things you need to fight for. And we're going to talk about that during that series. We're going to talk about the reasons we need to fight. We're going to talk about fighting for your children. I've been on this big kick about children lately because my my children are making me want to become an alcoholic. And I'm realizing I, I, I have a senior in high school. And man, man, she's... Just want to choke her out, and you know, it's just amazing. So, we're going to talk about that. I'm really going to be preaching myself, fighting for your purpose, fighting for your marriage. It's going to be a fun series. But today, we're in the last week of a series called Moments. And I really struggled with the sermon today. And it's weird because I'll go ahead and tell you ahead of time, I've preached this sermon several times. And when the week started, I had no intention of preaching this sermon. Or last week, I had no intention of preaching this sermon. I knew it was the last week of the series, and so I was just listing out some of my favorite moments in the Bible and thinking about what I wanted to teach about, what I wanted to preach on. And this was my favorite moment in the Bible. It's always been my favorite story in the Bible because I just think it's one of those insane moments in the Bible. But I had told on it so much that I just kind of pushed it off to the side. And then I caught myself this week being very overwhelmed. I took on a tremendous schedule the last month, and I'm nearing the last seven days of it. My body was tired, and I was fatigued. And, you know, you get to that point. I know none of you ever do this, but you're taking it out on everyone. Everybody, you keep telling everybody you're not angry, but every single freaking person in your life, what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. Well, it's all over your face. There's nothing wrong with me. And you fight it for like three days, and finally you're like, I guess there's something wrong with me. I'm tired. I'm irritable. I'm frustrated. I'm stressed out. And, and, and I was thinking, so I started another list. I'm a big list person. I was like, what do I need to do when I get to this mode? Because a lot of times I make very poor decisions when I get in this mode. So I was listing things out. I was like, what do I need to do? I need to breathe. I need to chill. I need to unplug. But number one was I need to get back to praying. And, and when I listed the word prayer... It went right along with my favorite story in the Bible, and I just thought to myself, here's the deal. A lot of people have never heard this story. Those that have heard this story probably don't remember this sermon because they say the average person forgets a sermon within seven days. It's just the reality of the situation. It's one of the reasons we place such an emphasis around here on the song before the sermon. That's why most of the time the song you hear before the sermon is a song that you know it's a song that you will hear on the radio because what I want to do is you're driving down the road and that song comes on the radio. I want it to take you back to remember at least part of the sermon throughout time. You're not going to remember my words, but you might remember the illustration. So most people haven't heard the sermon. Some of the people have heard it and forgot it. And the ones that remember it, the reality is you probably need to hear it again. And we're in the last week of this series that we're calling Moments, and we're talking about some of the greatest moments in life found in this book, because at the end of the day, life is made up of moments. I was on a phone call yesterday for an event that I had Friday. It'll be about a three-hour event, and we get off the phone. We always ask this question before we ever do it after, before the week of a show. We always say, okay, they're not going to remember all three hours. So what are the three moments we want them to leave remembering? Because if we can get them to leave remembering three powerful moments, they'll forget all the things that we screw up during the show. They'll forget that the video didn't work when it was supposed to work. They'll forget that somebody missed a spot. They'll forget that something didn't go like we thought it would go. And so we always ask ourselves, and we always write them out, and we're always like, what are the three moments that we want people to remember. And this book is full of moments. And we've been looking at some of the most amazing moments in this book over the last month and had a blast last week. Probably one of my funnest Easter services I think I've ever had. Man, the crowd was great. You guys were awesome. I loved the message. Uh, Man, it was just a fun Sunday. It's so nice. I used to, in my previous life, I used to do five to six Easter services every weekend or every Easter weekend and never could enjoy Easter weekend. It's so nice to be able to do one service leave here, go home and have Easter with the family, throw the family out of the house, take a nap, and then, man, this was even a better one because you got to watch Game of Thrones that night. It was just phenomenal. It was a great Easter, man. And, um, man, this book is full 
of moments. And I want to close out this series talking about my favorite moment in the Bible. Next to the gift of salvation, the next to the gift of eternal life, the greatest gift that God has ever given us is the gift of prayer. I mean, think about it for a minute. You get to communicate in the words of the rock. You get to go one-on-one with the great one. I mean, that is an amazing thing. You don't have to go through the preacher. You don't have to go through the confessional. Man, you get to go directly to God. you got like a red phone, like the bat line. You pick it up, and you're like, hey, God, it's me. I mean, think about that for a second. We get to communicate with God anytime, anywhere, about anything. That is amazing. It's actually mind-blowing. It's actually one of those things that I think we've heard preached so many times in our life that it goes in one ear and out the other ear, and we don't truly comprehend the incredible awesomeness of prayer. We had this amazing gift called prayer, yet I would venture to say in the life of a Christ follower, the prayer life is one of the weakest lives. The prayer life is one of the weakest areas that we have. With only a few exceptions here today, I would venture to say there's two groups of people here today when it comes to prayer. In our crowd today, there's two groups of people. Those whose prayer life is non-existent. You just don't have a prayer life. You don't communicate with God. Answer your phone. Tell them you're in church. Put it on silent. It's an amazing concept. Their prayer life is non-existent. Or there's theirs who pray, but their prayer life sucks. You're faithful in praying. You do it every day. You go through the motions of praying. But if you were to be honest, it's something you do out of tradition. It's something you do because your religious nature takes over and you feel obligated. But it's not something you do because you see powerful results from it. There's very few people, I would be willing to bet if we were honest today, and I know it's church, so it's hard for people to be honest, but if I was asked to show a hand to say, man, if you told me today that you had a dynamic, vibrant prayer life, I would be willing to bet maybe three people would raise their hand today. I would not be one of those people. My prayer life is one of the areas that I struggle with because I'm like so many of you, when things are horrible, I'm praying. When things are good, man, I'm forgetting to pray. I'm taking it for granted. I'm no longer thanking God for answering my prayers. I'm no longer communicating with God. But man, when things are going wrong, you better best believe I'm in the prayer closet and the door's locked. I'm writing on the wall and I'm calling out to God. We have turned our prayer life and basically into a 911 call. When things are bad, we pray. Matter of fact, if we were to be honest today, especially in a crowd like this, Probably some of the most sincere prayers you've ever prayed. I'm talking about those gut-wrenching prayers that you feel deep in your soul and tears are coming down your face and you're calling out to God and you're begging God. If you were to look back and say, man, when is the most sincere time I've ever prayed? It's when you've been out all night. You come home and you're puking. You're hugging that, hugging that porcelain throne and let's just be honest. That is the most sincere prayers you've ever... Dear God in heaven, please, I will never drink again. Just get... I mean, I have done it laying in the, like laying in the floor. The bathroom floor, the nasty bathroom floor, even if your bathroom's clean, it's nasty. Hugging the commode like your face up against the porcelain because you're like, it's cold. And it feels, and you, you, like, there's a part of you like, this is nasty and I don't care. God, please, I'll never drink again. Just make it stop.
And we laugh because it's kind of funny. But it's also kind of sad. What if we could grasp the power of prayer and realize with the same sincerity and the same passion that if we called out to God, it would radically change our life? I want to show you today just how powerful our prayer life can be in what I believe is one of the most powerful moments in the Bible. It's one of the craziest moments in the Bible. It's one of the most surreal moments in the Bible. It's one of the coolest moments in the Bible. And I love the story. So we'll be hanging out today in the book of Joshua. And let me give you a little bit of background here. The Israelites had been enslaved to the Egyptians. They had been enslaved for hundreds of years. God sends a guy named Moses to set his people free. So Moses goes to the Egyptians. He gets the Israelites. He sets the Israelites free. He is then to take them to a place called the Promised Land. The Promised Land was 40 days away. So from where Egypt was to where the Israelites were to go to the Promised Land was a 40-day journey. 40 days, don't miss that, because this is a little sermon within the sermon for you. That 40-day journey took them 40 years. Because they got out there, they began to question God, they begin to turn on God. They begin to doubt God. They begin to think they knew better than God. And instead of claiming the promise in 40 days, it took them 40 years to claim the promise. How many of us do that? You know God's got something for you. You know God's got a purpose for you. You know God's got a calling for you. You know God's got a passion for you. You know you're uniquely shaped to do something great, and you are so close to claiming it, and we screw it up, and what should take 40 days takes us 40 years. I was telling some the other day, they were talking to me about business, and they said, man, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, man. I said, I'm 43 years old. And I said, you know what's funny? Is I said, I don't know anything different today at 43 than I did when I was 20. I said, I'm just smart enough to do it now. When I was 20 and knew how to do it all, I thought I knew better. So it took me 20 years to get to the point where I could finally be like, man, God's got a way you're supposed to go about operating things, and maybe I ought to get in tune. So here's the deal. They leave Egypt. They head out on this journey. They're 40 days in. They're 20 years in. They're 30 years in. They're 40 years in, and God finally says, man, you're ready to claim the promised land. So before they claimed the promised land, Moses, Moses was the guy who led them out of Egypt. Moses has been their leader for 40 years. Before they can actually claim the promised land, Moses dies. Moses never got to lead them in to where they were supposed to go because of their disobedience. How many of us miss out on God's blessings altogether because of our disobedience? So he leads them there. And they name a guy named Joshua, and they put Joshua in charge, and it's time for the children of Israel to take over the land. But as you can imagine, in order to take this land, they're just not going to be handed this land. They've got to fight for the land. Now, here's the cool deal with that situation. God has promised them victory. How awesome is it to go into a fight knowing you're going to win? So the first country they come along to claim the promised land they have to defeat is a city called Jericho. And they do that, and we all know that. They defeated Jericho in such an incredible, they marched around the walls, and the walls fell down, and they claimed it, and word began to spread. Holy smokes, the children of Israel are here. They've been wandering around for 40 years. They're on a mission. They're ready to claim what's theirs. And the word begins to spread about this great army. The word begins to spread that God's favor is upon them. And, and then... Through a set of different circumstances, Joshua and his men, they find themselves going to battle with a group of people called the Amorites. Okay? So that's where we're at. They're at the next battle, and they go against the Amorites, and they begin to defeat them, and they begin to defeat them because God has promised them victory. So don't miss this. They're in their second battle, and they're winning the battle. But something's about to happen in the battle. As they're defeating them, they encounter a problem, and the problem is this. It begins to get dark. The sun is about to go down. Because you know why the sun's about to go down? Because that happens every day. There's daylight, there's dark time. There's daylight, there's nighttime. You know you've got to do certain things if you want to do them in the daylight before it gets to that time. Because here's the deal. There's nothing you can do about the fact that the night is coming. But this presented a problem to Joshua. 
He didn't want the night to come because this would have given the Amorites time to regroup. This was their homeland. They knew the land better than Joshua and his men. They knew where the back roads were. They knew where the byways were. They knew how to escape through the valleys and escape through the mountains. And so when nighttime came, their knowledge of their land would have benefited them greatly. So Joshua knew, we have got to defeat these people, and we have got to defeat these people before the sun goes down. But the problem is, the sun's going down. There's nothing Joshua can do about it. In the nighttime, the Amorites could flee. Like I said, they could go wherever they wanted to go. And he knew he has to defeat them before that happens. So he does the only thing that he can do. He does something that as you read it, it literally seems crazy. He throws up a huge prayer to God. It's a mind-blowing prayer. Now, I have prayed some big prayers in my life. I think I'm one of those people that just has stupid, crazy faith. I, I, I'm a big believer in God's going to do it. He does a lot of people pray for God to open doors. I pray for God to shut doors. God, I'm going through that door. Like, I ain't asking your permission. So if you don't want me to go through it, just shut it. Because, God, if this don't work, we both going to look really dumb. And, God, it's okay if I look dumb, but I don't want you to look dumb. I try to, try to play around with God like that. It don't really work. But when I pray my big prayers, here's the deal with them. I pray them privately. Because as much faith as I think I have, if it doesn't want work out, I don't want anybody to know that I was praying that prayer because my ego gets in the way. So when I pray those big, audacious prayers, they're normally private. That wasn't how Joshua rolled. Joshua knew he needed the sun to stay up. Joshua knew he did not need the sun to go down. Joshua knew in order for them to take this victory, it had to stay daylight longer. So here's what he does. Joshua 10. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. I love that the Lord gave them over. Anything you have in life is because God gave it to you. Joshua said to the Lord, don't miss this, in the presence of Israel... So he did not go and pray a silent prayer. He stood up in front of all the people and said, God, here's what we need. Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley. So look what it says in verse 13. So hear what I'm saying here. Joshua needed the sun to stay up. He needed the sun not to go down. He knew there was nothing he could do about that. He knew if the nighttime came that the Amorites would get the upper hand. So he did the only thing he knew he could do. He gathered all the people together and he prayed something huge to God. Look what he prayed. He said, sun, stand still. Three of you clap because the rest of you don't get that. So let me explain this to you. Sun's in the air. Sun goes down. Moon comes up. Sun starts to go down. Moon starts to come up. Hey, sun, freeze right there. Do not go down any further. I need the sun to stop right there. Now maybe it in a crowd like this, you got a lot more faith than I do. That's a crazy prayer to me. I'll get to that in a minute. The next verse. So the sun stood still. <laughs> he prayed something crazy. He prayed something insane. I got to be honest, he prayed something that would make me question his leadership. And it freaking happened. The sun stood still and the moon stopped to the nation avenge itself on its enemies. This wasn't a fluke thing. It didn't stay up for 30 more minutes. 
It didn't stay up for 20 more minutes where it could be chalked up as a coincidence. It stayed up until they got the victory. And as it is written, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about half a day. Sun, stand still. That is a moment. I'm telling you, if you're there that day and you're one of the children of Israel and you've seen all the greatness of God and you've been set free and you saw the walls of Jericho fall down and you saw all the victory and you're in the land flowing with milk and honey and everything's great, no matter how awesome things are and no matter how much crazy stuff you see, you never forgot the fact that your crazy leader stood up. He prayed for the sun to stand still and not only did he pray for the sun to stand still, God answered him. Holy smokes. He had a need. He gathered all the people around. And instead of strategizing, instead of making plans, instead of coming up options, he goes directly to God. And he prays a huge prayer. Hey, God, I know you got this whole daytime thing, nighttime thing down to a routine. I know that you got when the sun comes up and when the sun goes down, and there's reasons for that, and it affects the whole world. And hey, I get it. But today I need the sun to stand still. Pow. I just need you to freeze it right there in the sky. Because I, I don't need nighttime to come where they can get the upper hand. I need the sun to stand still. Verse 14, there has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. This is a moment. This is a prayer. And here's what you need to realize today. If you don't realize anything else I tell you, if you don't put into practice anything else I tell you, if you don't live out anything else I'm telling you, man, you can get your finances in order, and that's awesome. You can start giving back to God, and that's awesome. You can start serving, and that's awesome. Everybody in this church ought to be serving OBTW. We need help in the kids' area. We don't need help of people checking in. We had 40-something kids last week. We need some people. So you know what? Once a month, I'll stand up, and I'll go to the kids' area, and I'll teach the kids about Jesus because thank God somebody taught us about Jesus when we were young. I'm just saying, that's on you. You pray about it today, but I'm praying big prayers over some of you in that regard today. Thank God for the people that do that. Every I just don't want to miss the service. Well, I didn't know it was all about you. I, you don't got to clap that. One thing about me is I am not here to be your friend. I'd be ashamed if I sat in a seat every week at this place and did nothing. Let me just hobby horse for a minute. I'd be ashamed if I came to church every week knowing that people get here at 7 o'clock every week and start setting up and tearing down and making coffee and making donuts and working in the kids' area and practicing music all week, and I got to sit on my blessed assurance like a sponge and just sucked it up, and I wasn't willing to give one Sunday a month back. You ain't got to amen that. Truth hurts. I don't think we'll be back. Go to another church. There's a lot of churches you can go sit on your blessed assurance. We're action church for a reason because people take action. Nah, just saying. Back to the sermon. <laughs> big prayers move a big God. Joshua saw a need. He prayed out. He asked God to do something amazing. And God answered. I want to talk to you today about the subject of prayer. I'm not talking today about the little wimpy, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food prayers. I'm not talking about the little watch over me as we sleep. Oh God, you know the prayer that drives me nuts. God, just keep our kids safe. How about we pray, God, make our kids dangerous? I don't ever pray for my kids to be kept safe at school. I say, God, make them dangerous for the cause of Christ. 
Make them leaders for the cause of Christ. That's the problem of our society days. We got a society full of people who want to play it safe. I don't see in the Bible who people who changed the world kept it safe. We think the biggest lie in the church is if you're in the center of God's will, it's the safest place to be. No, it's the greatest place to be, but it's the most dangerous place to be. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the center of God's will. It got them in a fiery furnace. Daniel was in the center of God's will. He ended up in the lion's den. Jesus was in the center of God's will. He ended up on the cross. Listen to me. The will of God or the center of God's will, God's will is a dangerous place, not a safe place. Now, it's a fulfilling place. It's a purposeful place. We might not even get to this sermon today. Man, I'm not talking about wimpy little prayers. I'm not talking about I lay me down to sleep going through the motions or obligation prayers. I'm talking about it's time for the people of God to get excited and start realizing we have the ability to pray sun, stand, still prayers. The Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. Joshua didn't have anything that we don't have. He just had the faith and the ability and the fortitude to call out to God, believing that God was going to answer. And what would happen in this group of people if we begin to pray out and ask God to move on our behalf? What would happen if we started praying sun stand still prayers over our children and sun stand still prayers over our marriage and sun stand still prayers over our jobs and sun stand still prayers over our finances? Hey, 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 and sun stand still prayers over our enemies, and sun stand still prayers over our loved ones, and sun stand still prayers over our city, and sun stand still prayers over our county, and sun stand still prayers over the drug epidemic around here. And we started praying like God can move because He's a God who can move. Big prayers move a big God. I'm talking about prayers today that are so big that you'll look foolish if God doesn't show up. Man, I'm preaching to myself today. Prayer is the key that moves God. Every great movement of God, the old Moody said, started on a bended knee. And we throw it up with some haphazard thing. Matter of fact, we throw it up like it's a last resort. Nothing left to do but pray. Maybe you should have been praying all along. You, you know the hard thing with praying? Oh, I'm really fixing to preach to myself. This ain't even in my notes today. Here's the problem with praying. It means we're giving up control. I ask God to intercede in the situation. That means I'm letting God control the situation instead of me trying to control the situation. I'd rather stay up all stress and drama and lose sleep and lose my hair and gain weight and get all this gray in my beard because, man, I think I know better than God. So, hey, God, I'll come to you as a last resort, but I'm going to try to move it around right now and figure it out. What would happen if we just approached every aspect of our life in prayer? I just don't get anything out of praying. The problem is you're not praying sun stand still prayers. Of course you're bored with your prayer life. You're praying boring prayers. Of course you're going through the motions because your prayers are going through the motions. The same tired, recited bullcrap you say every day to fulfill your duty. If we started praying exciting prayers bold prayers, believing that God was going to answer those prayers that might change our prayer life. I can't help but think that God looks down and sees our half-hearted, wimpy, saved prayers, and it breaks his heart because he doesn't understand this incredible gift that he's given us. Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still, and God answered it. That's a moment. When was the last time you ever prayed like that? Has there ever been a time you prayed like that? When was the last time you prayed a prayer so large and so crazy that all anyone could do was laugh? When was the last time you called out to God and you asked him to move huge on your behalf?
I met a few weeks ago with a guy out here in the parking lot. He was from the city, and he was dealing with the parking lot situation. And I, I, I'm thinking about doing something really, really big. And uh, so I was getting some information from him before I attempt this big thing. And he said, well, what are you really asking me about? And I said, well, I'm thinking about bam, 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 bam. And he started laughing at me. And at first, I got a little bit irritated. I ain't going to lie. I got a little bit prideful. I want to be like, you know, my favorite line, do you know who I am? <laughs> like, you think that's a big deal? I'll pull that off in my sleep. Because I kind of thrive on people telling me I can't do something. I'm just saying that's the way I'm wired. But then I started thinking about it as I was walking away, and I just started smiling. And I thought to myself, that, that's the kind of thing I need in my life. That's the kind of thing I need to be praying about in my life. I need something so big that when it happens, only God could get the glory of it because people would look at me like, there's no way that idiot Gary could have pulled that off. Now, will it happen? I don't know. Just because we pray, sun stands still prayers, doesn't mean, don't miss this, doesn't mean God always answers yes. He'll answer. It might be no. It might be wait. And it might be yes. But you'll never know if you don't pray. Listen, I have prayed some huge prayers over this church. We will never be a church that plays it safe. We started this church so the least of these could meet Jesus Christ. We weren't concerned about location. We weren't concerned about bells and whistles. We simply wanted a place where those who don't know God could come in and we could literally change our city. And this church is a product of sun, stand, still prayers. Before we ever had this building, I did a series called Circle Maker. And if you were to walk in the back of the building, because it's not covered up with paint, you'd see circles all over the building. There's one little spot back there that my daughter wrote Emily, and it always is powerful to me. It never got covered up, and I always know she wrote it. I remember when she wrote it on that wall, and it's starting to fade because it was done in chalk. And, and I remember, I look at those prayers, like, that's been answered, and that's been answered, and that one's getting close to being answered. And, man, there's just power. This place was started on prayer. Huh. Man, if you think that this right here is the vision of Action Church, you're sadly mistaken. Now, where most churches, the vision is to get bigger, our vision is just to be more impactful. Now, if that means a 1,000 people show up here one day and there's a 1,000 people coming here, that's awesome because I do believe numbers represent, people represent numbers and numbers represent people and numbers are, are lives that have been changed and, and the more numbers, the more impact we can make. But we've never been a church that has explained away our responsibility due to lack of people. Sun stands still prayers. That's what we're talking about. Bold prayers. Now, as you look at this prayer, you're going to notice a few things. And so I want to show you today how to pray some sun stands still prayers. And we're going to get out of here because I'm hungry. Sun stands still prayers are bold prayers. Sun stands still prayers are bold prayers. I've kind of already hit on this, but let me say it again. Joshua prayed for the sun. That's S-U-N. The big ball in the sky to stand still. That's pretty big. Not only did he pray for it, it worked. You can't get much more bold than that. You can't get much more audacious than that. You can't get more testicular fortitude than that. I know you people from Pickens County didn't understand that, but, but, you know, that's a big word for you. Go look it up. Sun, stand still. He prayed this bold prayer, and he did it in front of the entire nation of Israel, believing that it was going to happen and the boldness of this prayer blew God away. God, <laughs> this is our prayers. Bless this food to the nourishment of my body. You got a triple cheeseburger, chili cheese fries, and a milkshake in front of you. I guess that actually is a bold prayer. God, just bless, bless this food, the nourishment of my body. You know, here's my favorite prayer. I, 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 this prayer kills me. Lord, your will be done. 
Like God needed your permission for his will to be done. God's kind of like, my will's going to be done no matter what. It's going to happen. Hey, glad you gave me permission. I'm God. I'm sure God's impressed with that. We've got to approach the creator of the universe like he's the creator of the universe. We serve a God with a huge imagination. He looked out into the void and saw nothing and spoke all this into existence. You think you're going to pray something to God that's going to freak him out? You think you're going to pray something to God that's going to blow his mind? <laughs> no. We serve a big God, a creative God, a God who spoke everything into existence from nothing. You're not going to shock him. Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He says, just call out to me, and I'll answer you, and I'll tell you things you never thought were possible. You're praying for your marriage. You ain't seen nothing what I'm going to do to your marriage. You're praying for your finances. I'm ready to open up the treasure trove of heaven. I'm ready to bless you. You're praying for purpose. I'm about to overflow your cup of purpose. That child's on a wild side. You don't know if they're going to ever come back to God. Hey, BTW, don't forget you were the same way at one time. Don't worry. They'll come back. Just keep calling out to me. But don't throw up these generic prayers. Throw up these bold prayers. <laughs> People all the time, I just don't understand why we don't see a move of God like they did in the Bible. Well, first of all, God's moving everywhere. Let me go ahead and tell you that. <laughs> but I also can't help but wonder if it's because we don't pray like they prayed in the Bible. We don't pray bold prayers. I'm praying some big things in my life right now. I'm praying some big things over my marriage right now. I'm praying some big, man, my daughter becoming a senior has just kind of messed me up. I got three more to go. And, and man, I, I hate it for the first one because you figured out all you did wrong. Like, they're the guinea pig. I'm like, man, I screwed that one up. <laughs> Good thing I got four of them. At least I can get 75% right. Let me focus on the next three. I'm praying some big things. Bible says this in 1 John. This is a confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When was the last time you went before the throne of God and you prayed something so big and so bold and you did it with confidence knowing that if it's God's will, it's going to happen. Some huh. saying still prayers are bold prayers, but they're also clear prayers. They're clear prayers. I, I, I'm also convinced that one of the biggest things that holds us back in our prayer life is the generality, if you will, of our prayers. Lord, pray for my marriage and move on. And God's like, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty broad. What, what, what part of your marriage are you praying about? Uh, are, are you praying that the, that the love would come back like it used to be? Are you praying that you'd be able to communicate better? Are you praying that you'd be back on the same page? Are you, are you praying maybe that she becomes a little more freakier? He becomes a little, I don't know. What are you praying about? God's like, I mean, okay, you pray for your marriage, cool. Lord, just, just praying for my children today. What are you praying about with them? Every one of my kids, I can tell you specific things I'm praying about, and I don't want to get... My kids are getting too old now for me to use them as illustrations because they, they hear about them. But there's some specific things I pray over when it comes to my kids because they're all different. So each one's different. I don't lump them all together. There's specific things I pray about when I pray for my wife because guess what? I can pray for my wife and not be praying about my marriage. She's a part of my marriage, but she's still an individual too. There's specific things I'm praying for God when it comes to my purpose in life and providing for my family, and they're not all success-based. Or let me rephrase that. They're not all money-based. They're specific things. They're clear things. We have Charlie in our house, and she's three, and we always tell her this. I feel like it's nonstop. I feel like it's said 782 times in our, a day in our home. 
Charlie, use your words. What do you want? No, 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 no. Use your words. Tell us what it is you want. And until you learn to tell us what you want, you ain't getting it. You know, shut up. Tell us what you want. Now, the problem with that is, is once they figure out how to tell you what they want, they say it 737 times a day. If I hear I want Barbie Mermaid, that's a TV show on Netflix, one more time. There was a little, you got to be careful what you tell them, too, because it was nice when it was vague. I mean, oh, you want to watch wrestling? Sure. <laughs> you know, now she's specific. She's clear in what she wants. <laughs> Joshua could have prayed like us. Lord, just, just give us the victory. He said, God, here's what I need. Here's what I want. And if you make this happen, I got this. And if you make this happen, there's no way I get the credit for it, Lord. You get all the credit for it. Man, I pray specific things about this church. I pray for specific things about individuals in this church. Lord, just be with us. Lord, just bless them. Man, prayer is just a weird thing. We're so vague in it. And then, like, like so many times we use prayers and it's used to gossip. Yeah. You, you know? Right for so-and-so, Lord, you know he's drinking again. <laughs> like, you don't want to feel like a gossip, so you pull someone off to the side. Hey. Pray for Jim. Okay? What's going on? I'm just, I'm just telling you this because I want you to pray about it. Knowing you was going to tell him anyway. You know, he's out whoring around again. <laughs> like, like we, have just, we have diluted prayer. Oh, let God know what you're asking for. My two oldest kids, every time he gets around Christmas and their birthdays, what do you want? We don't have unlimited money, so when we're able to get them something, we want to get them something that they want. I don't really know. I'm okay. So they learn in about two years with Christine. That's probably not a good thing to say. Because we're going to get you whatever we thought you wanted, even if you didn't want it. So now the running joke in our house is with them two, they know exactly. It's almost a joke that we wrap it. Hey, Dad, I want these shoes, size 13. I want this color design, and blah, blah, cool. You want to go with us to get it? <laughs> Clear request, they get what they want. Vague stuff, they get what Dad wants. My oldest daughter, you ain't getting that. I'm like, I ain't getting you that shirt. Thanks too revealing. I'm going to get you what I want, this moo-moo. You know, no. They're bold prayers, they're clear prayers, and we're done, I'm going to get out of here. Sun, stand still prayers require action. They require action. Faith does not negate action. Faith does not negate action. In the same way, James says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. God, turn her heart back to me. Help our marriage to be like it used to be. But I'm going to keep being the same old sorry person I've been that got her to that point and said, but just turn her back to me. Or how about God? Turn her back to me. And you get out there working to get her to turn back to you. God just... I, you know, God, I hate my job. I just pray you'd brighten up the job. Or how about God? You know what I want to do in my life. I want to do this, this, and this. So God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start setting myself up to do this, this, and this. And I'm going to try to build this, this, and this where I can slide out of this as I'm sliding into this. And I got a plan. I got action. What's the old saying? Pray like everything depends on God and work like everything depends on you. Praying for something doesn't mean you just stop dead in your tracks and do nothing. Joshua had trained men ready to attack. 
He didn't pray this prayer so they could sit back and play poker in the tent. He prayed this prayer knowing that the minute the sun stood still, they had to go into faith and had to go into action and they had to go attack and claim the city. See, we treat God like he's a genie. Rub the bottle, he comes out. Lord, give me a job. And God says, I'm working on that, but how about you send your resume out? Lord, bring me more money. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. God is never... I don't want to say never because he's God. But chances are real, real slim. God ain't ever going to send you a check in the mail signed by God. First bank of heaven, don't roll like that. But what God's going to do is he's going to open up opportunities for you go out and get some overtime, for you go out and get a side hustle, for you go out and get some great tips. He's going to put you in positions to do great things because you stepped out and you did something. Sun stand still prayers require action. God, just help us to get out of debt. And God's like, okay, well, you need to cut some spending. And you need to work a plan. And if you work the plan, the plan will work. My wife told me one time, well, she tells me all the time. Because, like, the big struggle for me is is Kids. I always feel like I'm not connected to my kids. I'm always praying, God, just help me be passionate with my kids. I want my kids to grow. I'm praying, and she said, you know, she said, won't you spend some time with the kids? They don't like anything I do. And she said, then why don't you start liking what they do? I didn't ask your opinion, woman. I know more, and I'm still not good at it, so let me tell you that. But I know more, my son's in the band. I know more about saxophone stuff and marching stuff. And, like, I ain't sure that I could do it, but I'm pretty sure I could do it. I'm pretty sure that I could make slime because Emily makes slime 24 hours. Like, just she, like, watches videos of people making slime. And I used, to make, I, I, I used to make fun of the slime making. Not, I, in my mind, I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just trying to be like, slime. But she's serious about some slime. You know what I mean? And so I quit making fun of her. And now, the other day, I walk in the kitchen. And I don't get it. I ain't going to lie to you. She's watching a YouTube video of someone making slime. Now, she has made 700. That's my, 700 seems to be my number. She's made slime 900. How about that? And 22 times. There's slime all over our house. Like in every container in our house. Like we, we should own stock in Rubbermaid because of slime. We should own stock in Elmer's Glue because of slime. Yet I walk in and she's watching a video on how to make slime. I said, don't you know how to make slime already? She said, come check this out. It's a different kind of slime. So this was a slime that almost like, you know, like a pellet gun. Or airsoft gun, you mixed airsoft bullet. I guess that's what, I don't know what they were. I don't know where she got airsoft bullets. So I guess it was something like that. Beads into the slime, and it made bumpy slime. And apparently bumpy slime is where it's at right now. So now I know you can do that because I sat down and watched the video with her. Had to take some action. If I want to, now Luke's easy. Luke's seven. Whatever dad's into, Luke's into. He hit that, they, they change when he hit that double digits. So when he, I got about three more years while dad's still cool in Luke's world. And then I got to figure out what, it, and I'm worried. Because it seems to be he's leaning towards soccer. And I don't get soccer. I don't understand soccer. I don't understand how you can tie a game and it ends. I don't understand how a game can go all them hours and no one scores. It's boring. Christine brings home a ball the other day. Soccer ball, and it's got some name on it. I'm like, who's that? Greatest soccer player in the world, Dad. I'm like, better than Christine? 
You looking around? That's soccer. Messe or some crap. He walked away. I pull out my phone. I Google that name. He's the best soccer player in the world, like Luke said. So now when Luke comes at me, I at least know three facts about him I can sling at him. My point being is this. You don't just get to pray about something. Sometimes you've got to take steps and put it into action. Now, again, I'm preaching with you. I ain't saying I'm the master of this. My wife and I had a big discussion. Today. I said, man, things seem off. She's like, things seem off. I said, here's what I want. She said, well, if you want that, you need to do bam, bam, bam. Hmm, now I got a decision to make. How bad do I want this? Well, I want it bad. I've been praying about it bad. So guess what I got to do? I got to put it into action. One of the things she wants from me, I'll say this one, is to be nice to people. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I was nice to everybody today. But here's the bad part. Friday we had this conversation. Saturday we go for a walk. We see a friend across the street. She's like, because she's nice to everybody. I just keep on walking. You need to say hello to him? I'm like, well, say hello to him for what? I threw up the hand. And I know what she was thinking. She didn't want to fight. But I know what she was thinking. I know she's thinking. We just had this discussion last night. I was convicted. So, boy, last night, so I took it home to the level. So, last night, she goes off with the girls, and they don't come in the house. So, then I ain't got to be nice. They don't come in the house. But her cousin sends me a message, hey, I think I left my keys in the car. Can you go out and check it? So, I said, man, I could text her back and answer. Or I could call her. Hey, Brooke. I went out to your car, and the doors were like, I sure do hope you have a good time. I was like, just brownie points. And, uh... Not really brain point, so I'm, I'm trying to do what my wife wants me to do because it's important to her, and I screw it up all the time so I can pray about it all the time or I can put action. So I'm saying still prayers require action. Again, you've got to pray like it depends on God, and you've got to work like it depends on you. <laughs> Lord, now this is my biggest one. Lord, just help me get in shape. <laughs> I could kill some ice cream. I can kill some strawberry Pop-Tarts. Like if I was on death row in my last minute, it might be strawberry Pop-Tarts. I love them. I don't understand why I just keep getting fatter. Christine's like, really? She goes, I'm, I'm not picking on you for being fat. Oh, she's so saying I'm fat? I didn't say you're fat. You said you're fat. I'm just telling you, you ain't doing nothing. You got to put it into action. So they got to be bold. They got to be clear. And you got to get off your butt and get to work. They require action. Your prayer life probably sucks. Just being honest with you. Because your prayer life is too small. 